0: Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host Tom Gerard. Uh, this episode, I uh, sit down with Peter Drew. You might know him for his uh, for his Aussie posters that you would have seen around town. Uh, depending on what city you're in, I'm sure uh, you would have seen him. No matter what city you're in, if you're in Australia, um, how you going, Peter? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, like thanks for coming to Melbourne. You know, it's good to catch you while you're in town. It's good to, yeah, be here. I mean, I, um, yeah, I'm yeah, i in
1: Melbourne probably about three or four times a year, but it it's usually in the start of the year when I'm doing the, putting up posters, and um, I'm sort of coming to the end of this project now, so I'm looking forward to spending some time in Adelaide, actually, and just chilling out and um, sort of working on things for next year. It sort of feels like there's a, a bit of a rhythm with the projects I do, so... Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, you, you're originally from Adelaide. Yeah. So, um, like, no, tell me a bit about your background and growing up in Adelaide and how was all that?
1: Yeah, um, well, I, uh, yeah, grew up in Adelaide. My parents both teachers um, and I went to uni to study, I started doing accounting at uni and suddenly realised that I didn't want to do that and went back and did um, uh, psychology and philosophy. So, that's what my... Uh, undergraduate degree was in, and coming to the end of that i sort of uh I was about to start a honors degree in philosophy when i uh started exhibiting paintings and I suddenly had a choice to become sort of to take art seriously or to you know pursue an honors degree in philosophy, which is going to be useless anyway so i um so i uh stopped uh, with my honors degree and and focused on art and I had no idea what it meant to be, have an art practice or to try to turn that into a career, try to make money from it. Mm. Um, And so I just sort of stumbled my way through it for for quite a while, uh, figuring out um, how how it's done or how I could do it in a way I liked. Um, And at some point, uh, that it changed a lot along the way, a lot. I sort of discovered uh, street art um, and Uh, Then, about four years ago now, I I travelled to Glasgow and did a Master's degree at Glasgow School of Art. And my art changed a lot then, uh, became more political. And then when I came back to Australia, it sort of felt like a whole new... It felt like I'd really gotten started, whereas before, looking back at it, it feels like practice in a lot of ways and just sort of figuring things out. And for the last two years, I've been sort of living off my art, for the good ten years before then, I worked in hospitality. So mostly working in kitchens and restaurants. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, I sort of thought, right, I need to take a leap and and live off my art, and um, it's going great so far. Um, I don't think I'm going to be washing dishes again. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um,
0: oh but yeah. I've been there for the hospitality thing. I was a, I was a chef for six years. Oh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. up wow. Another lifetime ago now, but. Um, you know, I think a lot of us have been there, and um, it's like it's sort of the career you do when you're young, isn't it? You know, or yeah, not really a career. Yeah, you know, I guess it is a career it, for some people. Yeah,
1: and I yeah. didn't sort of. um I thought kitchens are a great place to sort of figure out who you are as well, because I, I remember started working in the kitchen, just washing dishes. I had this attitude of like, this isn't you know a real job, and but all the chefs hated that because they were chefs, you know, and they loved cooking, and they didn't want someone else being there, being like, oh, it's just bullshit that I do while I'm at uni mm. and it's sort of um being around other guys as well mm. being fanatical about getting things done right is a really great experience growing up about you know taking work seriously it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter what it is if it's done well it can be it can be great like you can be uh, if you wash dishes really fast and do it really well that's a great thing and and I sort of I loved sort of discovering that attitude because you know, that's like a recipe for for happiness. Because some people have to wash dishes, you know. Yeah. Some people have to clean toilets and whatever. So you might as well um, might as well sort of find some sort of passion for whatever it is you do. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I still love to cook. I like. I, I find that I'm a better cook now than I ever was when I worked in the kitchen because I cook um, with love and passion now. Yeah. Whereas I learnt a lot of really um, helpful skills back then. Sure. But I've, I've got to hang up with um, doing the dishes. i get the wife to do them. <laughs> I'll, I'll spend four hours cooking a meal if, it, if I don't have to spend 20 minutes doing the dishes.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. My wife does all the cooking. I do all the cleaning. And that's sort of the deal we have. no, so, oh. Yeah. yeah. yeah she's, she's a great cook, though. So
0: I've, I've yeah. never gotten good at it so yeah. yeah I still have to clean as well I don't get it <laughs> um but getting back to your artwork like so what what were some of your early paintings looked like like what, what sort of style were you doing when you were beginning out and um, yeah what like what mediums were you using and mostly
1: like? acrylic paints and they were all sort of about the idea of uh, the conflict between uh, I guess science and nature I did these paintings that were like uh, parodies of science in a way like I did like a is uh, diagrams of, a diagram of love, a diagram of, of all, all these concepts or feelings that uh, that science can't adequately explain or, um, or give us a satisfying sort of answer for. So I had a diagram of love, and it was two people uh, sort of in a loving embrace, and there was all the, you know, uh, the chemistry of serotonin and all the sort of neurotransmitters that you experience that science can sort of create an explanation for what is love and happiness, but it's very unsatisfactory on a human level you know you, you want to see an artwork that sort of um, creates a feeling not just sort of explains it in a rational way so um, I was really interested in yeah, the difference between the imagination and uh, you know our rational side and sort of you know there's all sorts of dual natures to, to the human condition I guess and mm. I was I was really obsessed with, with that and I sort of uh, you know my, I worked on it my work uh, my art for quite a while, and, um, and, and, and I don't know, gradually start to lose interest in it. I guess um, I found other artists that were, were sort of illustrating that idea in a better way, and I realized it wasn't really my, um, it wasn't my forte, you know, um, and I think that's just uh, maturing as an artist is figuring out what you're good at um, and what you're not good at, um,
0: and so I just sort of uh, moved towards other things. yeah. And, um, like you're one of the, the, you're the only person I've interviewed who actually has been to art school. Yeah. So, right. you know, this is the big, the great unknown for me. Like what, what did you learn? <laughs> well, well, that's, that's it. I was fascinated. I thought, what, like, what are they learning? What are
1: they teaching them there? Cause I, um, I was 29 when I started art school. So I went back late and I, I sort of wanted to, um, yeah, see what it was like. Um, it was... In a way, to I guess looking back, it was, a, it was a sort of a kick in the ass that I needed to take my art seriously. Um, and it's great being in that environment when you're surrounded by other people that take it seriously. And and everyone at art school has got their own weird take, their own sort of their niche that they want to explore. And it's it's great being in that environment when everyone is sort of uh, nurtured and also really critiqued. You know, you're. you're um, given an opportunity to to really hear what people think and sort of uh and attack what you're what you're doing and that helps strengthen it in a lot of ways and and after a year of sort of really putting a lot of time into um looking at all the different strategies which with which people make art and 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 uh and try to you know destroy people's other idea other other people's ideas you sort of i don't know you get a bit of a confidence that like i think i've I'm I'm equipped, you know, to to go out there and and take it more seriously, so, um, it was uh, was a really great experience. I I did have a tough time at the school though, I don't know if you've, like, I, um, had a bit of a conflict with my, um, supervisor, um, the, I got accepted into the school based on my street art projects, which were all done illegally. and they went, oh, these projects are, are, are great. You can come to the school and... I still had to pay fees and everything, but I'm just, just saying I got accepted in. But um, halfway through the year at the school, they... I started, like, putting up paste. It was just paste ups. start like, started putting up paste ups as soon as I got there. Halfway through the year, my supervisor said, look, we want you to stop doing what you're doing because it's illegal. The school might get in trouble. Um, and I said, well, no, I don't want to do that. That's my that's what I do that's why I got accepted here mm. and so we had this conflict and they said look, look if you don't stop we're going to have to review your status at the school which is you know institution talk for stop or we're going to kick you out and, and, I, and I really didn't like that <laughs> you know it's yeah. like I, it's the, and I um, I spoke to uh, some uh, blogger that I knew about and they sort of wrote a thing and it sort of it blew up in the school's face because it made them look ridiculous you know yeah. um, and it was kind of ironic because my thesis was all about um, the inability of um, large institutions to to embrace illegal forms of art um, you know because they're a big institution has a massive capital investment it has to obey the law um, and sort of fit within a capitalist society and all that sort of stuff so you know they can't they can't um, get behind something which is illegal and which is um, uh, you know graffiti or street art you know they have a lot of trouble with uh, with doing it the way it's meant to be done yeah um, so anyway it, 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 it fed into my thesis and I came out the other end um, uh, having felt like I learnt a lot from the conflict to be honest so yeah
0: yeah because I've, uh, I've actually heard galleries say that to artists as well. Like yeah, galleries right. representing artists saying, look, you've got to stop...
1: Stop know, all stop that silly all, stuff. Stop,
0: stop doing so much on the street. <laughs> it doesn't look good for your art career. And it's like, the only reason you represent me is because of all the stuff I've done on the street. You know what? Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's just, I, I find it really bizarre.
1: But that's, that's that tension between the legitimate world or the illegitimate world uh, is what makes it great. I think whether it's graffiti or street art, is that that tension between expression and and uh, property. You know, it's mm. like you know, I it's because you know, Western civilization says the freedom of expression is very important, and also private property and protecting it is very important. And graffiti and street art is the is the place where those two principles clash. Yeah, um, and that's a fascinating thing. And it's sort of um it's uh that conflict is completely irreconcilable you know it's it's always going to be there i sort of i'm sort of knowing that is um reassuring in some way you know
0: yeah did you um do you find that they uh try to change your style at all at art school
1: oh you get sort of uh your
0: ideas get attacked a lot Mm. um and, but not just ideas but overall style as well like do they say oh don't do it like that do it like this or?
1: Not, not really in terms of uh, like technique like mm. the, the degree I was doing was called a god what was it it was, it was, it was based in research it was a um, masters in research uh, in creative practices uh, because what uh, art schools and institutions in general these days like to where they like to sort of um validate uh, art is through the research which is behind it it's, the, it's sort of you know they're posing as a as being scientific yeah so it's like
0: bringing the why to the, the artwork sure sure yeah. it's the same with graphic design as well like you can't just go put a um, bunch of trees on a pack you have to they have to be there for a reason you can't just do sure. it because oh because trees, trees look nice and they're, they're popular right now it's just yeah. like no no it has to you have to be able to explain why well, I guess art's the same, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's all trying to you know these are disciplines that try to validate themselves and um, and protect themselves from from criticism and and sort of appearing scientific is a good way of doing that. I mean, I I mean, from my undergraduate undergraduate degree I studied <laughs> psychology and it's exactly the same thing. You know, it's when psychology came about, it was pretty hocus-pocus in a lot of ways and so it's had to try to legitimise itself by appearing scientific and empirical and Mm. and it um but this is art we're talking about people like it because it is magic you know it's it creates a, a feeling and it has a power which is irrational and so when you go to a big institution and they say look you know do the research explain your methodology you know pretend you're a scientist um it's a bit silly like it just it is it's a bit silly, and um, and uh, I sort of had fun um, sort of realising that, I think. Um, you know, it, it's good to be able to um, explain yourself, but when you're using uh, silly words to appear like a scientist, um, you've got to just at times remember, look, I got into art because I enjoy making pictures that make people feel a certain way, and it sort of, it does something in the world, it's a communication or whatever. Um, you know, there's not... There's a feeling that you had in the very beginning when you were a kid um, that made you want to get into art and you get into an institution and they sort of... They try to change it in some way. Um, some In some ways, it makes you better at it, but in other ways, it's sort of... You can lose focus, I think. So.
0: Yeah. So, I remember um, seeing an interview with uh, Os um from Brazil and they, they said they went to art school for a year and they are... Uh, and they said they dropped out, and they got back to the streets. And they said mm-hmm. they had to relearn everything they'd learned on the streets, and get and try to cl- cleanse the art school out of them sure. because they tried to um, change their style, sure, and everything, and tell them that, that that's not how you do it. You do it like this, mm-hmm. and it's amazing because you go to Brazil now, and they're, they're like full on celebrities over there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't. It was a while ago now, but I saw mm. that they. had painted, uh, I can't remember which airline, but they had, you know, done the design for it, like, in Qatar. Oh, like yeah, for the World Cup.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um, But, yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to sit down with you is because I've been out of, out of Australia now for five years, and I came back and I was walking around and um, just sort of reacquainting myself with Melbourne, and I was uh, looking at all the street art and graffiti around and all that, and then... And I saw your posters and I I, I honestly didn't know what they were. Like I was, I was like, what is this? Is this, um, you know, is this a company doing a campaign or is it, um, like I got the message. I got, I got got the message straight away. Like with, um, you know, the, uh, the guy in the turban and, and Aussie underneath it. And it's like, it made sense to me straight away. Like I know I I got the message that was going across, uh, being put across, but I was like, so who's doing this? Is this a uh, a political thing? Is it a street artist? Is it um, is it a bar? Is it you know what <laughs> I mean? Like I, I, I was I yep. was I was quite baffled, but one th- uh, I was drawn to them because they look so cool as well, and I was just like, man, they like what a cool image and what a cool color palette, and like I I was really um, yeah I was just drawn to them, and um, when I found out it was you, I wanted to sit down and chat to you, so that's why we. We're doing this right now.
1: Yeah, cheers. I mean, I I, def- I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to graffiti and street art. Is they, I mean, I guess with graffiti is wanting to belong as well. You want to belong mm. amongst this group of other people that are uh, into something that you're really into. But it's also about having your own space um, and standing out and being separate from things. And so, yeah, I mean, I really do try to make images um, that are... Stand out for one one, one way or another. Nostalgia is a great way of doing that. I mean, the color palette, the image—it's sort of immediate. Immediately, it's historic. You know, it's from a long time ago, just from um, just from the way it looks. Um, So I tried hard to achieve that. What you were saying reminded me of um, sticking one up once in um, uh, in Sydney uh, near sort of King's Cross. I was sticking it up on a on a restaurant that had been closed for a while. so I was all sort of uh, boarded up and a guy came up to me He's was like, what, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just, it's just a, it's a straight up project. I'm not meant to be doing it, but, you know, doing it anyway. And he said, oh, I'm just, he owned the restaurant across the road. He was worried that, he was like, oh, is this like an Afghan restaurant that's opening or something? Like, it's yeah. just, it, it didn't, <laughs> he didn't, he, he didn't know what it was. So, um, but um, it was all good. But, yeah. um, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting sort of, um. I mean
0: uh, yeah well, well the, what, the, th- the thing that really uh, <laughs> got me was once I found out it was it was you and you're an artist and this is you know a project you, you're working on and I saw your videos and everything and I got to know all about it um, it was just so nice it was just refreshing to see someone not um, do their art out of ego so much whereas like you know because I come from a graffiti background and then street art sort of come from graffiti and a lot of it's just me 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 Mm. you know my name my name my name there's a kind of
1: honesty to that though i've always liked but i mean i don't know it's like every artist like i mean i'm the same i like seeing my stuff up and i get a kick out of people sort of recognizing and stuff like i'm not Mm. sort of um uh one of these activists that's pretending to be completely selfless about it um Mm. but um I, I don't know what you mean, I sort of, the change happened for me while I was in Glasgow because I the my street art before then had been completely apolitical and it was all about sort of, I can't even remember now, like it was about other things um, that I was amused by at the time, mostly just me having fun, putting up images in weird places and, and people going, oh how'd you put that Einstein on a bike up there, It's just fun. Um, but uh, during 2013, while I was in Glasgow, the federal election was on here. And it was really weird sort of being an Australian, living in a foreign city. You you know, if you're living in Australia, you don't think of yourself as Australian. You think of yourself as, um, you know, I'm just a person. But uh, living over there, you become known as, oh, is Peter, this is the Australian guy. And you're like, oh, I guess I am Australian. What does that actually mean? Then you're watching on. YouTube or whatever, or on the news, um, oh, there's a federal election, both the major parties were promising to stop the boats. And that phrase, stop the boats, seemed absurd to me, you know, coming from a nation of immigrants. And so I wanted to do something to sort of parody that phrase. So I made a, a poster that says, and, it was in, and I thought, right, I need to make a poster that's uh, in the style of a poster made, you know, several hundred years ago. And and it said Australia says stop the boats to avoid Aboriginal genocide. Stop Great Britain's illegal migration to Australia. And so I had a picture of a uh, a sailing ship, which I got from a painting of like the First Fleet. So it was it was obvious what it was talking about. And I went down to London uh, and, and stuck up a bunch of those. And and I just sort of and it was completely different to anything that I'd done before but it just sort of and i and if uh, if you told me like a couple of years before then like, you're going to end up doing political art i would have said no way because i you know who likes political art it's usually sort of so um self-righteous and lacks humor and irony and it's just sort of trying to convince you to think a certain way um and but i don't know it just uh it, it really seemed to fit um And I've sort of been on that path ever since.
0: Yeah. So with the um, so like, what's the story behind the Aussie posters? How did they come into fruition?
1: Well, there's there's uh, after I did that in um, in uh, in the UK, I came back here and and was working around the idea of um, Australia's treatment of uh, asylum seekers for a while and our immigration policy in general. But the the Aussie posters are all about. based around one guy called Monga Khan, and his photo was taken in Australia 100 years ago, so 1916. And I found the photograph in the Australian National Archive, all, along with thousands of other photographs of people who applied for exemptions to the White Australia policy. The, when the White Australia policy came in, I think it was 1901, um, they, they basically said, look, we're not gonna let any more people in here that aren't white. Oh, but what about all these people that are already living here that are Chinese and from India and Afghanistan? All right, we'll create exemptions for them so they can go home, say hello to their loved ones, buy more goods, camels, whatever, and they can come back. But no more non-white people. And so they created exemptions, and it's it's uh, hypocritical in a lot of ways because they they didn't want any more non-white people coming to Australia. But they wanted these people that were already living here, contributing to the economy, uh, to to be out of stay, and so um, it shows the uh, the history of diversity despite um, these really conservative immigration policies. And I I knew there were some good images there. I sort of and I was especially looking for images of cameleers. That sort of that story in particular, I thought was really interesting because camels, you know. In Australia, that's who would have thought? And um, and because uh, you know a lot of them were Muslim as well, and that sort of Muslim men get a lot of uh, you know a very undue amount of fear directed at them. And if I could, uh, you know, use that story to help reform Australia's identity of itself, you know, of what is Aussie? Because that phrase gets thrown out there. You know, this guy's Aussie. This guy's you know it's 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 used sometimes as like a as a way of just saying white. You know. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the idea. Uh, so, uh, it took a while to, to get there, um, but I sort of paired it back to just that one image and, and the word Aussie, and I picked six other people as well from the archive whose images just looked interesting to me, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you, know, do you know much about Khan at all? Like just
1: Not a lot. I mean, yeah. I found out more since starting the project. Mm-hmm. I originally thought he was uh, from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. He's F- a, ethnically, he's Pashtun, which is, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, Afghan. But he was actually born in what is today India. So uh, you could say he was an Indian man. You could say he was an uh, Aussie. You could say he was Pashtun and therefore Afghan he's dead so we really don't know how he he considered himself like if he he was alive and he said hey Monga Khan you're an Aussie he might have laughed but (laughs) you know it's much more about the way we think of ourselves than it is the way he thought of himself Um, but he died in I think it was um, let's see it would have been about 15 years I guess after the photograph was taken and he's buried in Australia Um, I haven't visited his grave because I haven't had a chance to yet but it is, it's out there um, and since starting the project I've had people send me uh, a, a great photograph which I'll show you in a minute um, of Mulga Khan with some of his mates and they're all sort of, they look uh, just like him, they're all hawkers as well um, and yeah it's, it's because I, coming into this I knew virtually nothing about this side of Australia's history and I just sort of uh, stumbled into it and I've found out a lot so it's been good.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you're sort of creating a cult following around Manga Kana. I yeah. heard you say in your videos that you sort of, you know, you don't know a lot about him. You you sort of making up a story about him and making him a hero and uh, exactly and turning him and you know, like giving him a legacy. I guess right.
1: that's that's the idea. Is I mean that um, because I, I raised more money than what I needed for the project. And so I thought, what can I do with this excess money? I'm going to commission other artists, especially writers and poets, to imagine the life of Monga Khan as an Aussie folk hero. And sort of, it's an exercise in mythology in a lot of ways. Because we've got our Ned Kellys and our Waltzing Matildas. Um, why not have an uh, Aussie folk hero whose sort of um, sense of rebellion and, and uh, distrust for authority is directed at the white Australia policy. Um, you know that would be a, you know a different kind of Aussie folk hero, and so that takes that takes a bit of imagination. That's something that sort of uh, politicians and historians can't do. It needs to be artists. It needs to be people that are creative. Um, and so yeah, I've started that as well, and we're releasing a collection of poems and short stories later in the year. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's that's part of the project that I'm really excited about because sticking up posters and um, uh, and creating that sort of sensation is is something I've done before in a way. And I sort of um, I was really really happy to sort of be able to create something different from this project, which is more about other people's creativity. I can just be someone that sort of facilitates it. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: instigator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um. With the, with the posters, were they are they based off, like, the Obey posters a bit? Like, with the, the um, their character, central character, that in, like, really bold typeface? Like, I, I wasn't thinking sure. consciously
1: about it, but, I mean, it, it must be, you know, like, especially the Obama Hope one. Like, it's yeah. that formula of face, one word, it's very strong. It's very, you know, because there's no fat on it at all, you know. Mm. It's, um, so, yeah, I wasn't thinking of it at the time, but, I mean, it, it must have inspired it. Yeah. Well, you know, if
0: I was to lay it out, I'd probably do exactly the same thing. You know, it's just um, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, you either know, have it above his head or or at the bottom. But, uh, sure. But, yeah. yeah. His head. Sorry, I said it. But um, <laughs> but um, so like, how many posters have you put up, and what what cities have you have you put them up in? I've been to every
1: I guess major city other than Canberra, um, and I've put up over a thousand. Uh, this time around um, and I'm some, I'm just waiting on Canberra because of the, the election because mm. I want to go there when there are politicians there at the moment because um, parliament isn't sitting I need, I want to go back when both houses of parliament are sitting and I'm going to sort of um, just send out a whole bunch of emails and try to get politicians holding up the poster of Monga Khan well because um, why not you know um, yeah. and I think they will you know the greens uh had a really great response from them last time around so and this time around as well so I'm sure they'll be supportive. but I really want to get um both sides of politics uh getting behind it because it's it should be something that um uh, all Australians just acknowledge like it's just our history
0: so yeah. why not yeah like do you do you have um like what you, what's your background you're obviously not Aboriginal like all you know.
1: oh, right um uh what is my background? Guernsey is like a, a channel island. The Druze came from Guernsey. Okay. Um, and so then there's a bit of a European mix in there as well. There's a, a Prussian soldier. Um, my uncle was really great with the family tree. Um, but to be honest, I just sort of, I don't think about it very much. Like it's sort of, um, yeah, I uh, I'm, I think I might become interested in it at some point. I'd like to take yeah. one of the DNA tests that are sort of, you know, uh, going around at the moment that you can trace your
0: genetics back to all over the world. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird because my like, my, um, my family's from Malta. All oh, right. Like, I don't look at it. Like, my dad's, you know, fourth generation Aussie. So yeah. I, I look a lot like him. But people would meet my mum and my sister and go, I didn't know you were Greek. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's so weird. So your sister got it, but you didn't. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm a twin as well. My brother and I just like look like Aussies, but um, the, like the rest of my family look look really um, Mediterranean, you know. Yeah. But it's fun. It's just uh, that's why I like seeing, um, you know, like I just think of Australia as made up of so many mixes of people because my my grandparents, they are both passed away now, but they never learned to speak English and they lived here for over fifty years, you know, which is crazy. <laughs> Like they, they had their communities and they lived in those communities and, and they uh, like, there's more Maltese in Melbourne than in Malta. And, um, like I went over, I went over there with my mum and my wife and my stepdad a couple of years ago and it was crazy. We we're walking down the street and we'd, we'd speak to people in the street. My mum was practicing her Maltese again and, and absolutely loving it. And so and people will walk up to you and go, Oh, where are you from? And you say, oh Australia. And they'll go, Sunshine. And you'll go no, the first time, and you go, Yeah, how'd you know? And it's like, Well, it's either Thomastown or Sunshine, you know. And they're the two big Maltese communities in right. Australia and it's um it's weird, they're both in Melbourne and it's like, Oh, how do you know about Sun- Sunshine and Thomastown? Have you been to Australia? And they're like, No. We just know. Like all Maltese know about uh about Melbourne and, and Sunshine and Thomastown And it's like, Oh, it's it's crazy to think, you know, have some guy who's... Yeah, talking about suburbs in Melbourne, and he's never even left. Never, never even left Malta. You know. That's fine.
1: I wonder <laughs> if that's that's the way it is with um Dandenong and uh, and Afghans because I wonder. I met a guy from Afghanistan uh, today. We sort of had some coffee, and he was uh, saying that he, him and his mates call it. Uh, is it? Da- it's Dandenong, isn't it? Like yeah. is it uh, or something? Like the they've got their own name for it because there's like yeah. a massive um. Uh, especially Hazara community out there, but um, yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's interesting.
0: It is weird because I, I even um, I was living in London and I met up with some guys to go go painting with them, and they uh, like I met met them in a pub. We had a pint beforehand, and they both started laughing and they said, "Why?" And I said, what, "What's funny?" And They said, oh, "I thought because we knew all we knew about you was what your art looks like." And we know that you're Australian, and we both expected you to walk in here with like blonde hair, and and like surfboard under the arm, always zing cream <laughs> on the nose, yeah, real Australian looking. And yeah. it's like, oh well, no, it's not. You know, Australians look like all sorts of people. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a diverse background. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's that's one of the greatest play, greatest things about this country. And I, and I sort of I think about my sort of um, sort of uh, heritage, and I. You know, it'd be great if there were some surprises in there, but I, there probably isn't. I don't know. Like, uh, um, Pauline Hanson, like there was this funny um, article about her discovering that she has some some Middle Eastern uh, genes, and she was surprised, <laughs> as, as you know, can imagine, she would be. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, the world's been around for a long time. It's it's uh, it's not that surprising,
0: really. Yeah. Have you um have you always been like Drawn to race issues with the art, like since, you, since you studied, um,
1: no, and I, I, it's funny you even saying that sort of race issues because I mean I guess it is, but um, yeah, it's not really not so much the way I think of it, but um, it's it's obviously a, a big thing these days. I sort of um, I come from the perspective that all, I guess you could call it collective identity, you know, whether it's race or gender or or nationalism. All these things are imaginary. Now, that's to say, that's not to say that they don't have power. I mean, the power of race, of um, you know, national identity, gender is absolutely real. And some people were at sort of the sharp end of that power; they they wield it, and others are um, oppressed by it. But it's essentially imaginary. There's no sort of scientific basis for um, for race. You know, it's it's something that we perceive based on uh, complexion. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous, but... Um, and so the role of artists is to sort of show that it's imaginary, sort of punch holes uh, in our perception and open up doors where people can go, oh, I guess that's... Um, it doesn't really... It uh, doesn't really exist. Um, so, I mean, and, and the first way I sort of tried to do that with any great force was the Real Australian Say Welcome project. I mean, it's a, it's a parody of that certainty with which people say real Aussies this that the other like if you're real like you know what is a real Australian like it's it's, it's kind of an absurdity to be making claims like that so I mean that's why I made it so bold and um, and authoritarian it's um, you know it, it sort of parodies um, you know the arrogance of of of, uh, of nationalists really um, but you know, that being said I think I think that's a better approach to take than uh, just trying to strip people's illusions away from them um i sort of i think you've got to work with the illusions you've got you know you've got to reform them in some ways because the alternative is being completely nihilistic you know and not uh believing in anything into saying oh, all that stuff is illusory um that's that's not really a luxury that that we all have like um it's, it's a difficult thing to do, especially if you are of a minority and, and feeling sort of um, uh, oppressed by those things every day. And so you've got to, yeah, you've got to work with the illusions you've got.
0: Yeah. Like, have you, um, like, with your street art? Have you used any other mediums or are you stuck to paste-ups the whole time? You haven't pulled out a can or a brush and all that? I,
1: I've done lots of rollers, like really big ones and stencils. I mean, I did stencils at the beginning was all I did, but I sort of gravitated towards paste-ups and for a bunch of reasons, like I like to, you know, use repetition a lot and, um, and prepare things in the studio. My can skills are you know rubbish. And I just r- realized I, n- I was never sort of um although I really admire uh, sort of draughtsmanship and, and skill like that's that's some of the art that I like the most to be honest um, just line work and that sort of stuff which I know i can't I can't do um, it's those are the things that I sort of um you know the mystery around that is is preserved for me because i've I've tried to do it a lot um. But it's just not my it's not my uh, forte. But um, so yeah, it's uh, and then I sort of gravitated towards pace ups because because of the repetition, because of being a work on it in the studio. But um, also because you can get away with it. I mean, you can I can put up a thousand posters around the country, and um, I did get fined actually uh, last yeah. year um uh, for that project. But um, you. Yeah, because I'm I'm not really about that. I'm not really about sort of. Um, I'm about the message and getting it out there. It's putting it in, up in public space is important, but it's not about. You know, it's not really about fucking up other people's property. That's sort of, um, yeah, that's not like the the main focus.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Well, I think with a lot with a lot of even like graffiti artists, like it's not about. Messing up people's property so no. much—it's about getting your name out there. And yeah. then it's like, oh, that'll be a great spot to get my name. It's like, unfortunately, it's on someone's property. That, uh, you know. Well, it's, it's 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 about it's
1: about testing those boundaries and yeah. seeing what you can get away with. Like, I I love the way that um, you know, the vast majority of graffiti writers know that you don't sort of tag like things like uh, letterboxes. I I, don't, I guess it's because letterboxes already look cool. Mm. Like. But you see a tag on a like a nice big red letterbox, and you just think, ah, why did he do that? And I think gr- most graffiti writers would think that because they just generally don't do it. But um, like it's just sort of unwritten. Um, and then there's other walls that are just dog ugly, and they're just covered, and it's mm. you know it's just this sort of um, you know it sort of figures itself out.
0: Yeah. I oh, know. in saying that, though, like I walked out of my house this morning and a neighbour across the road just had tags all over their front fence, and it's like, it's one of those like modern apartments, and it's like, oh, oh that, that's, but, yeah, they're, they're happy with those, they're real drippy, and they look like, you look like that ink that's just, you know, you give it like 20 coats of paint and it's still shine through. It's oh, <laughs> so, funny though, it is, yeah. I was, I was uh because, you know, there's so many bars and restaurants down the street. You, I just think, oh, some young guys just walked out of the pub so pissed last night and just bombed, yeah. bombed the, the front fence of yeah. this poor person's house, you know? Yeah, and you can, you can, just, you can <laughs> see
1: the thought process of, fuck this fence, like, yeah. just like, you yeah.
0: know, it's, yeah. Well, not um, even looking being so drunk, it's like, this will do. It's just, it's just space. You don't even know what it is. It's just space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um... But um, I really like the, uh, the, the mugshots posters you did. Mm. Like, like, what's the story behind that?
1: Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that was the first project that I really put a lot of work into um, and thought, right, this, I've got an idea. I want to really go all out. And so there were the, um, I, I knew there would be some interesting photographs in the state archive in the police records. And I thought, yeah, mugshots. They, you know, there's, there's that period where photography was really, was really great. Because mugshots these days are just, you know, digital photographs. They look awful. They look cool in a different way, basically. But back in the 1920s and 30s, mugshots were taken by professional photographers, by portrait photographers. They were, you know, they were studio portraits, and sometimes like the only photographs those people ever had taken of them. So you get this really cool sort of mix of like almost shame but also pride because they're having their photo taken. Yeah. And so um, anyway, I went to the archive and, and found these uh, these portraits and, you know, you, they're amazing characters. Um, uh, and I sort of I looked at people who were convicted of uh, sort of innocuous crimes or crimes that sort of aren't considered crimes anymore like uh, prostitution or being drunk and disorderly. Um, or su- attempted suicide there was a lady who was convicted of that and fined one pound or something ridiculous and so um and i then uh turned them into enormous pay stubs and stuck them around adelaide and the response was really interesting because i don't think adelaide had ever seen anything like that before because i did it all uh, illegally and in really prominent places um and You know, people love historical images. It's sort of, um, you know, the city uh, got behind it. And the council knew I'd done it, so they got in touch and said, look, Peter, you've stuck up all these posters illegally. We want to support you. We don't want to have to clean them off. So what we want you to agree to do is to go and ask for permission from all these places, all these property owners that you've already stuck up their posters on, they knew I wasn't going to do that, they, but they just wanted me to agree to do it because then they could say, well, Peter has agreed to do this so we can support him and not clean him off. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll agree to do that. And they knew I, was, I wasn't going to. But anyway, it, it, it gave them a bit enough leeway to sort of... So you, you find yourself playing these games of, of councils, especially, I think. And, um, and, uh, and up from that project, I... Um, yeah i i sort of learned that it's uh i guess i learned a lot of things because that was the first time i really i took it more seriously um and if i was looking i'd do it differently now but um but i sort of that became my thing after that is doing these big projects that i'd plan and work on and then all of a sudden deploy and then sort of uh, everyone would see it and go oh what is this there'd just be this curiosity of uh, what are these images and people talk about it and it grows from there
0: yeah, I saw on your website that they um like the general public wanted you to remove the surnames of the the people in there in case like they um could link into people that were yeah living, you know living around Adelaide and stuff.
1: That was someone in uh, in council actually. Yeah, so one morning uh, I got a call from uh, a lady from Public Arts from the Adelaide City Council, and she was. You know, uh, audibly uh, distressed and saying, Look, Peter, we've got to get rid of all the places. I'm really sorry, but we've got to take them all down because what if uh, one of the family members, you know, uh, gets offended and gets in touch? And i, and I speaking to her, like, I w- I've woken up by this call, it was like really early. Um, and for half an hour, I spoke to her about, No, you don't have to do that, it's not going to happen. And she wasn't convinced. And I said, And then I just realized, Oh, why don't I just cover up the surnames? And I said, Well, I just, I just cover up the surnames, and she, and it was just hilarious. Like the way she, she went, Oh, okay, yeah, that will work, and, and she just suddenly hung up the phone. Like it was because it had just been such a, a battle because she was so ready to just get rid of them all. And that's, I mean, to me, that's like, um, it, it's such an important lesson of why you need to do things yourself and sort of. And, and figure out the um, permissions and and whatnot afterwards in some ways because uh, councils or any sort of institution, they're always going to be risk-adverse, you know? They're going to think of that sort of stuff and it's going to terrify them and um, and sometimes it's way easier to just go through with it and figure it out as you go and, and, of course, the world doesn't, you know, the sky doesn't fall in. I, I, um, and then uh, one of the ancestors did get in touch with one of the posters, and they were at first they were at first sort of really surprised because of You know, if your grandfather, an all an, a sort of early mugshot, showed up in the streets of Adelaide, you'd be shocked. Um, but um, they appreciated the project; they could see the um, the uh, intention behind it, and so they were really happy. Eventually, yeah,
0: yeah. So, how did you get the like? You're flicking through the archives; you see the images. How do you get the like? Can you borrow the images and scan them in, or no. how, how do you actually get the physical images?
1: There was sort of a mount there, and I set up a, a camera and just, and just sort of photographed the mugshots. So oh, okay, and um, it worked well enough. And they're, they're you know little sort of thumbnail size mugshots, and so yeah, they blew up just fine. Mostly because the photograph, uh, the quality was so good.
0: So I was, I was watching uh, some of your videos online, and um, you're like you're really good in front of the camera. Have you, like, done any acting train or anything like that? No, but I did a, a web series, like, after art school. I had all this, like, built-up
1: sort of angst, basically, from, from being at art school. And um, when I got back to Australia, a couple of mates of mine who do a lot of video work, we got together and said, look, I've got this idea for a, a web series called Art vs. Reality. And I want to be a an art critic, uh, like like a... Um, a a, a parody of an art critic basically there was an art critic I really loved called um uh, Robert Hughes he was an Australian guy and he did the the series um the shock of the new and he wouldn't ha- he wouldn't get on TV today because he would he'd stand in front of the camera and he'd just have this sort of arrogance and this sort of sort of turbo intellectual arrogance and he'd sort of tell artists why their work was rubbish and he was, he was brilliant he was really clever and entertaining guy but so uh, I had this uh character which was a, a kind of a parody of him like this ridiculously arrogant art critic who um would uh would attack things basically and so we made this little web series and i um and i yeah learned a lot from doing it because you get in front of the camera and you get all those nerves and you've got to figure out how to do it and there's um it's uh just like anything else like any sort of public speaking it's it's practice you know and you figure out techniques the same as um uh, whether you're making posters or drawing an image, there are
0: techniques and you get better at it. Yeah. yeah. I'm learning it through uh, doing this podcast. Yeah, all right. Still getting there. But you know, <laughs> it's... Uh, I just remember the first time I spoke into the microphone, I was just... And you hear you, your voice? Just <laughs> shaky voice. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even listen to it back. Yeah, I still struggle, but uh, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> <I'm> getting there. <laughs> um... But, uh, so do you make, like you were say, said earlier in the podcast that you're making a, um, a living off your artwork nowadays?
1: Yeah, just, and, yeah. Yeah? Um, I mean, uh, not sort of, uh, the thing is, I think it's, you know, being passionate about something, you, as soon as you make money, you sort of, you, then you figure out some way of spending it on what you're passionate about, and, and so it becomes difficult to save, and sort of like, and build for the future, basically, so, um. I, but I think in the next few years, I'm, well, I shouldn't say next few years. I need to start thinking about um, uh, you know myself and my wife and and taking care of all of that because at the moment it's um, it uh, it is just this. It's a self sustaining thing, but
0: it's not sort of um, it's not much more than that. So yeah, yeah. And so you mentioned earlier as well that you do um, you've done crowd crowdfunding mm. to help. Help me travel and get your posters up around Australia. Like, um, how's that worked out for you? Or would you recommend other people do crowdfunding as well?
1: Absolutely. I mean that's that's how I've managed to do these projects is through crowdfunding. Um, and the first time I did it for the Real Australian Say Welcome project, I had never done it before. And I just made a video as best I could that would sort of explain the project and um, yeah, it's great, especially for a project like mine where people are going to see the result of it because it's going to be in public space and they can, you know, see a poster and go, "I helped that happen." So um, yeah, it sort of
0: uh, makes sense. Yeah, is that how you you generate a lot of your money? Is like because I saw on your um, website you sell your posters as well, and um, and like also with the crowdfunding, is that is that your how you generate your money or it's I, yeah. I mean I do a few things that's that's de- that's how I pay for the, the
1: projects um, like it covers all the sort of expenses in terms of printing the posters and, and travelling around um, but other than that I make videos for people and uh, selling the posters on my website is also a source of income and I, that's an interesting sort of thing you have to learn as an artist is that um, I remember thinking oh as an artist you, you paint paintings and then you put them in a gallery and you sell those and that's how you make money and it's just not like that for for anyone, really. There's going to be a whole range of different revenue streams, and you've got to juggle them in some way. But um, but making videos is another thing that I really enjoy doing because that's um, storytelling, essentially. And um, uh, so I make videos for for small brands, uh, but also for other uh, creative types. There's a um, there's a magazine in uh, Adelaide called City Mag, and I've uh, just recently shot some video for them. Um, it's a it's a great way of um, connecting, and collaborating with other creative people as well. Um, and it's sort of also a break from me, you know, being fixated on my own stuff. It's great to sort of just switch off from that. Think about other people's work and how to tell their story. It's um, you know you need that uh, disconnect sometimes.
0: Yeah, videos are really changed as far as a medium, like uh, from what I see anyway like i've made a few videos myself but i just think it's um it used to be if you were did video you only the only places your videos will be seen would be on tv or at the cinema Sure. whereas now with the internet it's like you can just make them put them out there mm-hmm. Com- every company uh likes a little promotional piece to put out there as well yep. even instagram videos you know you can do yep. a well-produced instagram video yeah, you know, it's like the the game has changed, and now with Premiere Pro as well and um, and all the other editing programs, you know, if you, you know, if you want to do it, you can do it, and it's it's I think it's really good. I think absolutely, it's a great medium,
1: and it basically gives more power to uh, ordinary people to communicate. You know, um, yeah, it used to be TV and cinema that had so much authority, and um, that was sort of the pinnacle, and it just doesn't sort of. Uh, it, it's not that way anymore. Um and it changes the way video works as well. I mean it, it's uh it's interesting seeing uh if any sort of video appears in your newsfeed at the moment, it's gotta have text on it. It's gotta have yellow text like yeah you know, uh explaining everything that's being said. It just because uh people watch videos on silent now. So um Yeah. yeah. A lot of
0: people are at work um pretending to work, yeah. they are actually on the internet.
1: Yeah, and they don't want to click the sound, so you've got to put the text on there. It's just, yeah. it's something recently that's really uh just taken over the news feed. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. People are, are realizing how their videos are being viewed, that's what that's yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. um I, I saw yesterday, I was looking around, and um like so have you seen that someone's doing a uh Aussie Ostrich poster yeah. that's based off yours? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um what was his name? Um Oh he had a cool
1: name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's done a bunch of that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about it? That oh, was great. I mean, I yeah. um, I sort of appreciate all of the um, the difference because it becomes a meme in some in some ways. Yeah. there's was the the other uh, someone else did the ones that were um, what's his name, uh, jihadi Jake, the uh, the Melbourne kid that went and joined ISIS and sort of mm. blew himself up, and also Rolf Harris, which I thought was. Uh, it's kind of—it's always funny to see a picture of Rob Harris because he's just like a, a perfect monster, you know, he's like someone who everybody loved and now who everybody hates. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and I sort of appreciate the idea behind that one. I mean, the Aussie ostrich one was just—you know—it's a good laugh. But um, there's an idea behind the um, uh, jihadi Jake and Rolf Harris one because they're basically saying that all nationalism is is suspect, and that's true. And um. But it's not really, um, it's not good enough to just say that, you know. It kind of goes back to what I was saying before about like taking people's um, uh, illusions away from them, leaving them naked. It's kind of, uh, you're kind of just doing that for your own satisfaction in some way. Um, I don't know. I'm not into that. I sort of, I think that it's good to you know, let people keep their illusions, but sort of just change the shape of it a bit rather than just taking it away.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, we might uh, start wrapping it up from there no worries but um but where can people find you online
1: uh just com, or you can find me on facebook it's Arts, or on uh, instagram it's Drew <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: yeah you're one of the lucky ones that have got the same handle for everything yeah 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 like I, I like I try to do Tom Gerrard and it's like underscores and stuff all over the place and there's a few Tom Gerard out there I, I guess. guess I think so yeah yeah there must be there's this one guy who um who doesn't use his account. No photos. No followers. Just t- took my name. <laughs> it's annoying. Bastard. Can't even contact him because he know he won't see it. But, um, but, yeah. But, um, so, like, just before you go, like, what, what are some uh, future projects you've got on, on the horizon?
1: Right. Um, I've, uh, it's funny, I, I don't talk much about what I'm about to do because, you know, I don't know, you sort of want to preserve your enthusiasm for some in some way but okay I, you don't have
0: to don't feel any pressure no no
1: <laughs> i've got i know that i want to do one more big um uh paste up project around the country and it will be about um australian national identity but i i there's because i everything i do is about the notion of welcome and but who has the right to to welcome people to this country i mean because mm. australia has a colonial past and uh, Europeans showed up here they weren't welcome they just sort of took over and you know did a lot of uh, killing and genocide really and so if I'm going to do uh, uh, address national identity at some point I have to address that as well and so I want to do sort of a third and final um, component of the Real Australian Say Welcome project and, and make it about uh, Aboriginality and how we all relate to originality mm-hmm. um, and so that's going to be my 2017 project yeah
0: great looking forward to seeing it cheers thanks for having me no worries check out the bench talk website benchtalkpodcast.com there you can listen to past episodes and keep up to date with what's up and coming on the the podcast you can subscribe to the show on itunes on the podcast app you can also listen on soundcloud just search for bench talk and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. Thanks, and I look forward to you tuning in again next week. See ya.